Good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here tonight. Uh, glad to have you joining with us online, even those of you who are down the hallway watching us online, <laughs> so, uh, helping us with security and things like that. There are individuals who do that. So uh, we praise the Lord for the people who are doing that. Uh, glad to have you on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, to retweet us there. Subscribe on YouTube, click the notification bell. That way you'll get the live notifications. Follow us on Facebook. That way you'll also get the notification when we go live. Uh, that way it'll just always pop up in your feed uh, when you're ready there to, to watch us. And then also welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, we're glad to have you uh, with us also. And if you need that number to give to individuals, we'll be glad to give that to you. Uh, just see me after the service. I'll share that with you. Uh, and uh, we have several who are using that and several recently uh, who have taken that number to share uh, with some other individuals. So welcome. Uh, to you tonight. I want to encourage you if you have the access to go to our church website to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com and it's under the info tab that you can find uh, this week's worship bulletin for this past Sunday as well as the children's worship bulletins. Those are in the window seals, the regular bulletins are as well as at the doors. The children's ones are in the window seal to my right. Be sure to pick up one if you just want a paper copy to give to somebody. You want to leave it in a doctor's office or anything like that for kids to pick up to scribble on to do. Uh, there's little activities that are on it that go with the Sunday morning uh, service and so I encourage you uh, to take the time to, to do that. You can also download those or send a link uh, from the website there also. But also under that info tab, uh, not only will you find those bulletins, you'll also find the prayer list uh, for tonight. Um, and I think we're still having to go all the way down to the bottom, so be sure to go down there and find that at the very bottom for this week. Uh, and um, hopefully we'll get that cleared up soon, but it's been a, a, a difficult thing uh, with that, with WordPress. So. Uh, hopefully you can get that downloaded there. Uh, if you need them in person, I think they're on both sides, yes. Uh, so if somebody comes in late, be sure that they get one of those. And then while you're on the church website there, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can set up your online giving as a one-time gift, a regular recurring gift. Uh, you can also designate to several different things that are there, uh, as well as to our budget offering. So be sure to take the time uh, to do that. Uh, we also have our special offering that we're doing all this month uh, for missions on the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit here, too. Uh, but I uh, just want to encourage you to be praying about giving towards helping us reach uh, that goal. And there's one other thing that I'll share with you in a little bit also after we sing our song. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come. Take your hymnals, turn to 411. Let's sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Let's To trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Neath the healing cleansing blood, Jesus, 
That is probably one of those mic that I put in a long time ago when we were just putting in just the verses that we had down in the in the bulletin and uh, so I haven't gone back because I know that one had an old uh, background to it when I did put it in and I didn't go back to check to make sure all the verses are there because the guys have gotten used with that used to that now that we just uh, have all the verses there and they do the ones that every, whatever you have in the bulletin uh, there to do so hopefully you've had a chance to get your <clears throat> prayer list downloaded be sure to do that uh, if you haven't yet let me just share this with you of an upcoming uh, event uh, this is uh, the uh, prayer walk that's going to be here in Tullahoma it's going to be on Saturday September the 23rd at 11 o'clock it's going to begin at South Jackson Civic Center there's going to be a little program there of prayer a little devotional and then they'll be walking from there uh, to City Hall and then a little small program there and then back uh, to South Jackson. So it's encouraging all uh, churches to join uh, with this. Uh, Lord heal our land. So just wanted to share uh, that with you. And then also, as I mentioned a while ago, our golden offering for Tennessee missions, we wanted to share one of our videos tonight. It's one of the longer videos that we have. And so we uh, weren't going to show it on Sunday morning. We do have one that addresses uh, this particular ministry uh, that is a shorter uh, video. And so we'll share that one uh, on a Sunday morning. But you prayerfully watch this uh, tonight about the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. My name is Ray Ellington. I own the Fourth Restaurant. Well, I was raised two miles down the road here, and I've uh, uh, been here a big part of my life, and actually was baptized on the Let's see, August the 14th, 1949, I would have been 14 years old. It looks to me like oh, this blue over has changed everything. My prayer time is about 3 o'clock in the morning usually. 
it just come to me, you know, that something could be done, you know, maybe you could uh, offer the facility to uh, at least get something started. So that's, that's really where the thought comes. Good morning. Take it back to last summer and I get a phone call from Ray Ellington, the owner of this building, and uh, he has a burden for those that are already here and those that are coming with Blue Oval City. He says, we need to get ahead of the ball on this thing. And I uh, said, I think that we need a lot of prayer about it. Would you be willing to lead a prayer meeting? I said, uh, sounds good to me. How about first Saturday of each month? He said, sounds good. I said, I'll make the place open. We'll furnish breakfast for whoever comes and we'll just pray. And that's the only agenda we have. Well, we just thank you for this gathering that you have allowed us to come together one more time, Lord. And we opened it up to anybody. This is not a Baptist prayer meeting. And uh, we just gather first Saturday of each month to pray for revival, pray for the lost, and to pray for folks that are coming here with Blue Oval City and uh, those that are already here. Uh, we are asking that you would save those that come who are unsaved. We're beginning to see some results in our churches from uh, what God is doing. I know that uh, one of the churches in the Haywood Association has a couple of guys come that are construction workers at Blue Oval City, and I know Woodland Baptist Church just up the road here is uh, making some inroads to a trailer park. So a lot of the people coming in with Blue Oval City have their travel trailers coming in, so they're reaching into some families there. One of the most exciting aspects of what the Lord's doing here is we're seeing godly laymen men and women who are catching a vision for prayer, uh, meeting together in small groups, also sharing the, the opportunities that they have to tell others about Jesus and welcoming visitors into their churches. It's a really exciting thing that we're seeing happening here. As Tennessee Baptists give through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Baptist Missions, it is an opportunity for us to see lost people saved, churches planted here and around the Blue Oval City and beyond, and for us to be able to strengthen the churches that are existing. And we're excited about the opportunities that God's given us during these days. And just a reminder that any way you slice it, Tennessee is a mission field. Send us out, Lord. Let us be a beacon of light to somebody that's lost along the way. I've known Ray for 25 years and been a good friend of his uh, for these years. And he's always had a burden for lost people. He's always had a burden for revival. So laymen can, uh, can be used of God to begin these types of prayer meetings. You know, who knows what God is going to do because of the obedience of one layman? Well, you know, everybody can do something. I mean, when you say, I can't do anything, I'm whatever. But you, you look at the things you can do and just walk the walk and talk the talk. Amen. And so how many of you know what Blue Oval City is? Just one. <laughs> well, uh, Blue Oval City, if you do not know, is the Ford uh, company is uh, building a facility out in West Tennessee in that region near Brownsville, uh, Tennessee. It'll be bringing in over 50,000 people uh, with the construction workers that are going on. That's where they're building the batteries uh, for the electric vehicles, for the, for the Ford vehicles. Uh, and there's a, just a ton of uh, development and, and people who are coming there. As you saw, a lot of the construction 
construction workers and people who are on that front end are coming with RVs and they have a place set up there that they're parking and, and setting up their RVs. Uh, but uh, there is already housing development that is going up. Uh, it's already impacting the churches and the communities there. It is a very rural area, but it will not stay rural. It'll be just like, uh, I believe it's Spring Hill, where the Saturn plant was. Uh, and it'll be just like that, but many times larger uh, than that. And so uh, we, we have an opportunity right here in Tennessee where God is bringing uh, people to what we call the Blue Oval City there uh, in that region there around Brownsville. Uh, and uh, this, there are churches already beginning to uh, look at partnering with some of the churches there as people are already beginning to come in and as people will be settling there. Uh, as you're going to hear in one of the videos that we'll be sharing, uh, that they're expecting that area uh, to, to more than double, almost triple in population uh, for, their, for many of the small towns uh, around there. And so we want to be in prayer for uh, the need there, in prayer for the offering uh, that goes partially to support that work there and the outreach there. And so we uh, want to uplift the Blue Oval City and our golden offering for Tennessee missions uh, in our prayers. And so that gentleman there just opening up his uh, little general store there, serving breakfast to people once a month to come and just pray on a Saturday. Uh, the guy who is uh, Danny Sinkfield in that video, uh, also who is our regional area, area director for the state there, used to be Samantha's uh, youth minister uh, and pastored a church, Faith Baptist in Bartlett there for 26 years and is now our regional coordinator for that area. Uh, and he also did our wedding. and so. Uh, just unique to see him uh, there in the video. So if you've got your prayer list, hopefully you do. I uh, also want to encourage you, if you are at home uh, watching us on any of those platforms, uh, it will be on Facebook, uh, and that's where I'm headed to right now, that we will be uh, receiving any of your prayer requests at. So I want to encourage you to take the time uh, to, to put your prayer requests on there. If I can get over. Facebook makes it harder and harder to flip from your profile to your page. <laughs> and so. All right. And so just wanted to share that. I don't have, let me make sure I get up my note, my messages here, because I do have some messages to share with you tonight. Hopefully all of those are on my device here, which I think they are. Okay, so um, if you need to give us a prayer request, as we said, do it there on Facebook. You can do it on any of the other platforms, but we just won't see it during the live, and we will get it added to the prayer list. If you need to call the church office, you can do that also and leave a prayer request there, and we'll get that also on the prayer list. So as you take a look at your prayer list, we went through the entire prayer list last week, so we just want to uh, kind of go down and, and hit some of those highlights at the bottom of each one of the sides. That's where we tend to add the newer requests. Uh, those who are more long-term or have been on a while and will continue to be on a while are more towards the top uh, of the prayer list. And so uh, we'll start about uh, Phil Henderson on our Highland Baptist Church family side. I'll actually go back up just a couple there to Carolyn Waller. Uh, she is doing uh, better, uh, still has some issues that she's dealing with, uh, but she is doing much better. So just praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, want to continue to remember Brian Tate. He still has some ongoing issues that they're trying to figure out what's going on with him. Uh, Phil Henderson is healing well uh, from his knee surgery. He's been here the last couple of Sundays and, and walking, doing his therapy that he's supposed to be doing, and things seem to be healing well with that. But he still has some uh, time of, of therapy to continue with that until 
released, uh, released from them. Uh, Sandra Wells messaged me uh, earlier uh, today to let me know that her kidney stone surgery has been on, placed on hold now uh, due to her insurance. And so if she's not had one thing, it's another now. Uh, and so uh, we do want to remember her in prayer uh, as they'll be able to figure out something there with the insurance to be able to get that uh, taken care of without having to wait because of some pre-existing conditions and things there. So uh, just continue to remember Sandra Wells. I've not heard of Jewel this week, but I know she had some tests uh, this week. Okay, not heard there either. So uh, we do want to continue to remember her. They're also trying to figure out what's going on uh, with her. She's had some in, in, intestinal issues and such. Uh, Miss Hilda Corley, uh, she has some medical tests. Uh, she has one this week, uh, tomorrow, and then she has another one the next week and another one the following week. And so we want to keep her in prayer as they're trying to figure out uh, her situation and what's going on uh, with her also. And then you'll notice on your prayer list there, uh, Bill Warren, uh, Miss Faye called the other day to talk to with me and, and uh, want to remember her in prayer too, uh, even though we don't have her specifically there on the list. But uh, Brother Bill, they've uh, discovered does have cancer. Uh, he is going to be having a biopsy next week, uh, on, I think it's on the 20th, something like that. Uh, so he'll be having that next week. So be in prayer as he does that because uh, th that's real risky there uh, because they'll have to be putting him under and stuff uh, with the anesthesia. And so Miss Faye was real concerned uh, with that because I think she had had some issues before too with that. So I want to remember uh, Bill in your prayers. And then also you'll notice over on the friends and family side, since we're speaking of Bill there, his brother is not doing well either again. So we've placed him back on the prayer list, Wilburn uh, Warren. And then there's one other that I do want to share with you um, that is on your uh, family side. It's a little bit further up, almost halfway there. It's David Hess and Jim Hess. Jim uh, messaged me yesterday also to give me an update on David. He said on his last uh, three Fridays of chemo, uh, he, starting his last three Fridays of chemo, starting this Friday, uh, he said they anticipate his open heart surgery uh, to remove the tumor on the heart, the heart arteries there. Uh, um, the week before or after Halloween uh, to do that and so he said the tumor has been shrinking it's less than the size of a tennis ball now uh, he's doing better than expected he has started fall classes uh, at Clemson uh, with a 15-hour credit load there and so just pray for him for that he's trying to complete his biochemistry uh, major and then also coordinating the time for this surgery at the break that he's going to be having so that he doesn't miss finals or any of his classes in that. And so Jim said he hopes to be here uh, with us this Sunday, but just pray for him as he's been traveling to, but pray for David uh, as he will be getting closer, has these last three chemo treatments and will be getting closer to uh, that surgery. Um, so that's all that I have on the Highland Baptist Church family part. Is there anybody else on the family list part that we need to update or? anybody we need to add and even if you think of somebody later that's okay okay go ahead and take a look at the friends and family uh, side there uh, we do want to remember uh, Christine Cranford uh, who's Patricia Durham's mom she's got uh, the skin cancer there Janie Town as well as uh, Terry Parrish who are the sisters of Donna Adcock any update on them OK, 
Okay. So that was on Janie, uh, who is Donna Adcock's sister. They're trying to get her in a nursing home, uh, and they have to do that by the end of the week. So pray that opens, that they can be able to get her uh, moved into there. Any word on Terry? Does still continue to improve? Okay. Okay, yeah. So still continue to improve long recovery. Yeah, yeah, so remember Donna. Um, yeah, a lot of stress there. Uh, that Donna has with her sisters and her own stuff that she had been going through before too. But okay, and so remember Ken, who's going to be having shoulder surgery. Uh, that's Ken Adcock. So, so they've got a lot going on in their family. Uh, any word on Craig Templeton? Okay, so Craig Templeton home doing better. Uh, Charles Blevins. I don't know who had asked for that one and we didn't put a name out beside it. Usually we try to get that in there. And then uh, Kim Tucker, uh, Stan Smith had asked us to add her. She is a, uh, a teacher down at um, Deckard area and uh, um, has cancer that's come. Uh, and so she, he asked if we would uh, pray for her. Um, and there are several that we've had on our list uh, from down that way toward Deckard, uh, Winchester uh, that have had cancer also that we've been uh, praying for so Katie Pugh is one of those that we have about halfway up that side of the list there also Any others that we need to add any other updates there? Okay, and then in the nursing home we've got Mary Campbell Peggy Eggleston Susie Barton Bertie Davis Janet Carter and Floyd Prince and Sue Prince um, uh, Talked with Myra yesterday, and she said with her mom and dad there Floyd and Sue uh, that um, they didn't have anybody try to escape the way she said it last week. So uh, it was a good week. <laughs> it was a good week for them. So uh, do keep them in your prayers, though. It's been a big struggle and a big burden uh, on her heart, as it is for anybody uh, who has to do that. So any other updates, any other prayer requests? Okay, of course, we still want to remember our... Our youth, our, our children who are here with Awana, remember those teachers and workers that are working with them? They have their hands full. I think I counted 43. I think that's what I counted tonight. Was it 43, 45? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it was 43 I counted tonight. So um, I'll correct that number if I'm, mistake, if I'm wrong on that. Um, but we want to continue to remember them in prayer uh, tonight as they uh, continue uh, to grow. <laughs> and so... Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer then for these on our prayer list, as well as many other and maybe unspoken needs that you have too. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you tonight for your grace and your mercy and just being with us all the day, every day. We thank you, Lord, for breath. We thank you for the food that we have on our plate. We thank you for the shelter that we have over our heads. We thank you for the clothes that we have on our backs. We thank you, Lord, for so many things that so often we take for granted, and yet you provide for us every single day, every moment. Lord, we thank you just for being there and sustaining us, providing for us, protecting us. And Father, we pray and ask that as we recognize who you are in our presence, we recognize your faithfulness that is always there even when we don't always see it we know that you're working we know that you have a plan 
we don't always understand the plan, but Lord, we know that you do, and you, you want to bring glory to your name, that you want to bring good into our lives. And so, Father, as we come before you tonight, we don't want anything to hinder our talk with you, our time of prayer with you, interceding on behalf especially for others. And so, Lord, any sin that is in our hearts, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, bring those things out into the light, into the truth of your word, and lead us, Lord, to a time of confession uh, in our souls. Lord, I pray that we would repent of our sin, that we would deal with anything that's in our lives. Uh, Lord, if it's anger towards others, if it's bitterness, uh, Lord, if it's resentment, if it's just uh, ungodly thoughts even, uh, whether it's uh, developed into an action yet or not, Father, I pray that you would forgive us for any ungodly thoughts. Lord, I pray that you will place a hedge about us to protect our thoughts and to protect our minds, that we would only think of you and your word and your truth and be filled with the presence of your Holy Spirit. For Lord, that's the only way that we can possibly know uh, the direction that you would have us to go, the steps you would have us to take, the choices you would have us to make in any decisions that we make throughout the day. And in all of our decisions that we make throughout any day or throughout life in general, we want to bring glory to you and honor to you. And so help that to be the motivating factor of everything that we do, that we're always bringing it back to your word. We're always bringing it back to you and our relationship with you, that uh, you, what you would have us to do. Lord, we can't always control what others would do, but we can control what we would do. And so help us, Lord, to be faithful and to serve you in the ways that we can, in the ways that you open opportunities for us to. And may we make the most of those opportunities to do the best of the best of the best that we can do. Father, I pray that you will continue to have your hand upon us as a church and continue to bless us as we continue to press forward to seek your will and to do the things that you would have us to do. So Lord, bless us, lead us, guide us. We don't want to step out of your will and Lord, we don't want to get ahead of you. We don't want to, we don't want to run behind, fall behind you. But Lord, we want to walk with you like Enoch walked with you. And so Father, I pray that you would forgive us of any ungodliness within our hearts. And Lord, that you would hear our prayers tonight especially on behalf of these that we've mentioned on our prayer list, others that are written there that we may not have mentioned by name yet, uh, but you know these individuals. There may be some unspoken requests that we have upon our hearts, and so we just want to uplift all of those things to you. We ask, Lord, for, for your will to be done in those lives. Lord, some of these individuals are, are facing terminal illnesses, and, and Lord, they just need you to be with them, to walk with them, uh, to give them peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of, of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, there are others who are going through dire situations who need your presence with them, who need your, your peace with them also to, to guide them through the processes and the procedures and the things that they will be going through on the road to recovery. Lord, we thank you for doctors and nurses and those in the medical care uh, industry, Lord, who help us, who take care of us. We thank you for our caregivers, not only the professionals, but also the family members. And Father, we just pray that uh, you would be with each one of those uh, individuals. Father, we pray that your blessing will be upon them to give them wisdom and discernment as they seek to, 
to give care to uh, each one of these individuals that we're praying for and uplifting. And Father, we want to pray for our youth tonight who are meeting in the building to study your word and to grow in their relationship with you. Give them a hunger and a passion and a fire for you, uh, Lord, like maybe we never had even as a, a young person in Christ. Father, I pray that you'll help them to be more faithful than we have ever been and to continue the, the work of your kingdom uh, through this church here in this community. Father, we pray for these children who are here tonight uh, with Awana. And we pray, God, for your blessings uh, upon them in a powerful, powerful way uh, tonight. Lord, we ask that you will uh, just speak truth into their hearts as they memorize the truth of your word, the scriptures they're memorizing. Uh, help them, Lord, to have uh, those moments and times where the teachers are, are pouring in those to their hearts the truth of, uh, of the application of those verses also. And then also as they're learning uh, about missions uh, in their mission times and how to practically take what they're learning and to put it into application. And I pray for us tonight as we come to the book of Zephaniah uh, to study Zephaniah. May you speak to us tonight uh, through this wonderful, powerful, small book. Father, I pray that there will be uh, words of inspiration and encouragement to us uh, to lead us and to guide us. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, after having studied this, may it ignite a passion within us also, uh, knowing that the day of the Lord is getting nearer. And Father, I pray that we'll make the most of every opportunity that we have while we have breath on this earth, uh, while we remain on this earth, to make the most of everything and every moment that you give us. So bless your word tonight. May you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, tonight and turn to the book of Zephaniah. Uh, you'll notice that we're skipping over the book of Habakkuk, and the reason being is because when we started uh, this whole series in looking at the minor prophets, that's the book we began with uh, back last December. Three small chapters there, and, and that's what led us into uh, going ahead and taking a look at all those minor prophets. So if you, you can go back on Facebook, YouTube, uh, on our channel there, uh, do a search for Habakkuk, and you'll find uh, those messages there if you want to get uh, the messages there for Habakkuk. So we've, uh, we've gone through uh, Micah, we've gone through Nahum, right after Nahum is Habakkuk, and then right after Habakkuk is Zephaniah. Uh, and you're getting close, uh, very close now to the end of these minor prophets. We've got a few more to go through, uh, and, and then we'll be at the end of the book of Malachi which will end us there with the minor prophets. So Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 18, I've entitled this message, uh, A Hiding Place, A Hiding Place. Um, you know, as, as you get into the book of Zephaniah, uh, Zephaniah, I'll tell you a little bit about him here in just a moment, uh, but that very first verse uh, there in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 1, uh, gives us a little bit about him. We'll talk about him a little bit in just a moment. But his, his whole focus uh, is just like uh, uh, one of the other books that we've read in the book of Joel. The book of Joel that we went through, uh, the primary emphasis Joel speaks about is the day of the Lord. Zephaniah is the other minor prophet who that's his also his uh, major message is the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord deals with the judgment of God that is coming. So when you think of that, let me ask you this. When was the last time that you sang a hymn about the future judgment of the world? You know, most of our modern hymnals don't contain songs about the day of the Lord. 
And you certainly won't find that phrase many times at all, if at all, in the Daily News or any mainstream magazines. Even if they do believe in God, most people don't connect him in either way uh, with either current or future events. The closest we come to involving God in human events is is our insurance policies that, that mention acts of God over which we have no control. And that's where most of the world gets their interaction with, with about God. Uh, that's, a, that's a far cry, though, from Zephaniah's The Day of the Lord. Now, people did used to take God's judgment of the world seriously, and they did used to sing hymns about it. There is a famous medieval Latin hymn that was based on verse 15. If you'll go down to verse 15... Verse 15 says, A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Now the first two verses uh, read this in this Latin hymn. It says, A day of wrath, O day of mourning, see fulfilled the prophet's warning. Heaven and earth in ashes burning, Oh, what fear man's bosom rendeth, when from heaven the judge descendeth, on whose sentence all dependeth. Now think about that for a moment. I wonder how popular a worship leader would be if they selected that hymn as the hymn to sing today. Not very popular. Uh, the, the day of the Lord is an important biblical concept that we ought to take seriously uh, even today because it tells us where things are going and it tells us how things are going to end. During the day of the Lord, God is going to send tribulation upon this world. Uh, he's going to judge the nations. He's going to save his people Israel. He's going to uh, establish his righteous kingdom. And, and God warns <coughs> the world and has all throughout his word warned that judgment is coming and it's foolish uh, for anybody to be unprepared so the big question is is when that day comes where are you going to hide on that great day in the first two chapters of his book the prophet Zephaniah here relates the day of the Lord both to the Jewish Jews and the Gentiles uh, in fact, there are two key verses in this whole book. One is found in Genesis 2, I mean in, in Zephaniah 2 and verse 3. Zephaniah 2 verse 3 says this, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. And so these first two chapters are going to deal with God's judgment on the Jews that we're going to see in chapter 1, then on the Gentiles in chapter 2, and then it's going to deal with the joy of the Lord in chapter 3. And so as I said, I've entitled this message, Do You Have a Hiding Place? Because everybody needs a hiding place. Uh, think about it. There are 12 books in the Old Testament that we've been looking at so far. We've been through many of these, but not all of them yet that we call these minor prophets. Those 12 prophets are organized into two groups. Nine of those prophets preached before the captivity, uh, when God's people were carried away into captivity. Uh, Zephaniah 
is the ninth of those nine who preached before the captivity came about. Zephaniah seems here, if you will, to summarize uh, all that the previous prophets that we've looked at uh, ha had to speak about uh, and, and had to say. He's speaking uh, right now here in this chapter. On the, he's on the ver they're on the very edge of the captivity when the judgment of God is fast approaching. His name, uh, the name Zephaniah, is a rather interesting name. It means he whom the Lord hides or Jehovah hides, God hides. That's what his name means. And so the very, his very name means hidden. He tells us in the very first verse something about his background and traces his genealogy in a rather interesting way. So let's just go ahead and pick up verse 1 uh, there and then we'll come back to our first point. So verse 1 says, The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So we find out here about him in his genealogy. He traces his genealogy in a rather interesting way. Because most of the time, people in the Old Testament trace their genealogy back three generations. Here Zephaniah goes back four generations, all the way back to Hezekiah. Now, who do we know Hezekiah is? Hezekiah was one of the kings of Judah. Uh, the point that he's trying to make to us is that he was a prophet who was of royal descent. He had royal blood in him. He came from the line of Hezekiah. Uh, royal blood flowed in his veins. The word of God was on his lips. And so Zephaniah prophesied during a time when there was a revival or uh, reformation, if you will, uh, in the land. That's probably what we probably should call it more than a revival. Uh, there are some outward appearances uh, and outward indications that people were going through revival. Uh, the truth of the matter, though, is that it was a shallow Reformation revival, if it was, uh, because the Scriptures uh, tells very little here about Zephaniah's personal life. Uh, he ministered in Judah during the time of the king Josiah. Now, if you remember Josiah, Josiah was the youngest king. Uh, he was eight years old when he became king. Uh, and so he had to rely on a lot of other advisors uh, to lead him uh, through those times. But he had been impacted uh, by others around him uh, to, to love the Lord. Uh, he led the nation in a religious reformation that was triggered, if you remember the Old Testament in Second Chronicles 34, when they found the book of the law in the temple in the year 622. Now you remember that, that the Assyrians had come down to attack Jerusalem, but they weren't able to conquer Jerusalem, but they had done some damage of some things. And, and so they're cleaning up after everything. And they find as they're cleaning up, here's the book of the law. And they begin to open it up. And, and Josiah tells one of, the, one of the priests, read it to me. I want to know what this has to say. And this is the word of God. I've not heard this before. And so they read it to him. And you remember he rents his clothes and puts sack, in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, and he, he's, he's broken because he, he realizes we've not been doing what the word says for us to do in the book of the law uh, before God. And so he repents and leads the people uh, along with the priests there in a time uh, of repentance. Uh, and so um, 
uh, here as as he's been in been there they've heard the book of the law it's likely zephaniah uh, when he's preaching he preaches prior to this reformation prior to this revival we believe that because if he had experienced it he probably would have said something about it he may have even said uh, so many years after the Re the reformation or the revival under josiah uh, but he was at least there uh, and, and knew of uh, Josiah uh, here. And so Jeremiah and Zephaniah would have been contemporaries. They would have been uh, prophets who were speaking at the same time. Politi politically, though, the times were uh, in, in ferment. Assyria was losing its power at this time. You'll remember that Assyria had come with its full force, taken Israel, and, and now they're trying to attack Judah. They're especially making their march towards Jerusalem, and we find out that they begin to lose their power because the Scythians were invading from the north of Assyria. So they are like, oh no, we've got to go back. We've got to bring our resources up here or we're going to be overtaken and we're going to be destroyed. And then Babylon kind of is rising up in the background of things while the Scythians are attacking the Assyrians. And then all of a sudden the Babylonians become the predominant power uh, on the scenes and they become the, the leading empire. Well, King Manasseh in 697 to 642 had led the people of Judah deeper and deeper into idolatry uh, and, and the adoption of foreign ideas and customs and, and had led them to, to build uh, idols of false worship. Uh, you'll remember that, that when Josiah comes on the scene as the new king and they find this uh, book of the law and they begin to have this reformation revival, he begins to tear down all those things that Manasseh uh, had built. Uh, if you'll remember, Manasseh was one of the most worst kings uh, that Judah had ever had. In fact, he was the one uh, who had uh, babies uh, killed and dashed uh, in pieces. Uh, and it was just a horrible time under King Manasseh. So you go from King Manasseh, after him comes King Josiah. And so you have this radical transformation here. And so uh, King Josiah, though, after he's led for some time, he dies on the battlefield before his work is finished and his successors on the throne allowed the people to return to their sinful ways. So Zephaniah is one of those prophets of God who could look beneath the surface and see beneath this burst of religious activity that was going on. He could see how unreal and how shallow and how superficial it was because as soon as King Josiah dies, they're back to their wicked ways. It was reformation that had been started under King Josiah, uh, but we learned through this that you can't organize a revival. In those days, it was kind of a, an in-crowd thing to do, to be a part of religious reformation. Uh, it was led by the king, so it was the thing to do. You want to be in the king's grace, and so, uh, but it wasn't real. Uh, you'll find that these reformations that came to the children of Israel over these times, uh, that, that there, was, there was always a falling away after them. So as soon as that godly king dies off the scene, they always go back to their wicked ways. Well, the people, uh, they, they would go back into not only uh, physically doing those things, but spiritually they went back into captivity and sin. And so I think we have to be very, very cautious today when we hear or talk even of revival because though we should pray for revival, we have to recognize that not every religious movement 
is a genuine revival. Revival isn't something uh, that, that, that you can organize. Revival is something that God sends down. You can't work up a revival. All you can do is simply pray and ask God to send down revival uh, from heaven. So here's Zephaniah who summarizes this message of judgment. It's one of the hardest books uh, in all of the Bible and in all of the Old Testament. It's a hot book, so to speak. In this book, he has two primary themes. In the first part, he pronounces immediate judgment of the Lord upon the sins of the people, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Then he's going to close the book by, uh, promising, by promising ultimate joy, and he's going to close on a positive theme as he talks about the future uh, time of the joy of the Lord. So Zephaniah's major theme, as we said, is the day of the Lord, that time period uh, when God is going to judge the nations and usher in his righteous kingdom. And so the theme is found in, in almost all the prophets, but in particular in Joel and Zephaniah. Uh, we've already mentioned the two key verses, uh, mentioned the one in uh, chapter 2, verse 3. The other one is in verse 14 of chapter 1, and it says this, the, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastening fast. The sound of the Lord, day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. And so there's three things I want you to see from this first chapter about the day of the Lord and how he describes the day of the Lord. The first way he describes it is like a great flood. It's like a great flood in verse 1 uh, down through verse 6. Now we've already read verse 1, so we'll just pick up with verse 2. And so verse 2 says, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. Now that's that same terminology that God uses when he sent the flood uh, with Noah to sweep away everything from the face of the earth. He says, I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal in the name of the idolatrous priests, along with the priests, verse 5, those who bow down on the roofs uh, to the hosts of the heaven, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. And so he indicates to us in verse 2, verse 3, and verse 4 that it's going to be this sweeping judgment of the Lord. He says in verse 2 there, he says God, God's going to make a clean sweep of everything. Now that's a frightening thing because there's a picture here of God's judgment that's going to be totally thorough. It's going to be a judgment that's going to fall upon the people of God. So he begins talking to the people of God. That's one of the things we need to realize. You know, we think about so often about those who are wicked being judged. But if judgment is going to come, judgment begins where? With the house of the Lord. It begins with God's people first. And that's where it did in the Old Testament. That's where we're told in the New Testament in, in the prophecies about the judgment that's coming. It'll be with God's people first. And so uh, the Bible says that it's a time for judgment to begin at the house of God. God always begins judgment with his own people. Now, if you know the Lord, 
then you have at your disposal the knowledge of the things of God. To whom much is given, much is required. You know, with privilege comes responsibility. So when we fail in our responsibility, then God brings judgment upon us. Think about all that God had entrusted to the children of Israel, to, to the nation of Judah, that's the, the nation that's left at this point when Zephaniah is preaching his message. Uh, think about all that they had been blessed with, all that they had been given, that they needed to be declaring to their neighbors, to their family members uh, about God and his love to them, living it in their lives, that they needed to be a witness and testimony to the nations, to the godless nations uh, around them, and yet they were failing in their responsibility, and so God was going to bring judgment upon them. If God would do that to the nation of Israel, his chosen people, how much more us? And that's exactly what you find here. He pronounces judgment on his chosen people, the people of God themselves. It's evident that Zephaniah, he's familiar with the city of Jerusalem because you read these words in the opening uh, of verse 1 uh, that he says, the word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, and he begins to give that description of those individuals uh, who were uh, leaders there. And then he seems to take us uh, on a tour of Jerusalem. He seems to carry us around and investigate the judgment of God that falls. In verse 4 and verse 5, he examines the religion of that day. He says, I'm going to stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is the center uh, of, of worship there. That's where the temple is. And he says, I'm going to cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests themselves. And so he finds us a religion here uh, that is filled through and through with idolatry. In fact, there are three kinds of sinners that are given in verse 5 and verse 6. First of them all is those that worship the host of heaven, those who worship idols. Uh, and, and even today, we have an abundance of idol worshipers today. Uh, and so he's talking about idol worshipers. The second group is those that worship and, and they swear by the Lord and they also swear uh, by Milcom or, or Moloch, uh, a heathen god. And so they're saying, I, I serve the Lord, but I also serve Milcom here. It's kind of like what we say today and what Jesus said that we cannot do. We cannot serve both God and mammon, material things of this world. And yet so often we do. And if you don't believe that, look at our checkbooks. Look at our houses and you'll find what we mostly uh, focus on uh, for our lives. So these were people who said they worship the Lord, but they also worship heathen gods. It's a picture of that, those today who say, I love Jesus, but they also, uh, <clears throat> it's obvious that their lifestyle and their behavior, uh, by their behavior, that they love other things more than they love Jesus Christ. And so people make idols out of their cars. People make idols out of their houses. People make idols out of material things. And they're divided in their allegiance. And that's what Jesus talked about. You can't go forward if you're divided in your heart, wanting to serve God and serve the world at the same time. And then there's a third class of sinners that you find in verse 6, those who have turned back from following the Lord. Uh, so there are those who started out, all their intentions were good. But you know the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of people have good intentions, but good intentions aren't going to get you into heaven. 
And so here are those who had good intentions. They followed the Lord, but now they've turned back from the Lord. Uh, they hadn't even sought the Lord. They haven't even inquired of the Lord. These, who, these are those who have just thrown worship overboard altogether. They just dismiss God out of hand. They don't even bother to pray. They don't even bother to come to the house of God in any way at that time being the temple. And we see those people even today. And so he says, the judgment that's coming is going to come like a flood and it's going to sweep you off. It's going to sweep everything. It's going to be a, a clean slate that's going to happen. Secondly, he says, it's going to be like a great sacrifice. A great sacrifice. Verse 7 down through verse 13. So in verse 7, you come to the great theme of, of this judgment here in this section. And he talks about the day of the Lord. So he says, be silent before the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. So now he moves from his people to the guests. He's talking about the Gentiles, those who are outside the family of God. He's talking about us. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, he says, I will punish the officials and king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire, on that day I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. And so uh, it, the Old Testament prophets had talked about the day of the Lord in terms of an immediate and partial fulfillment. But the day of the Lord is a term that extends all the way into the New Testament. It's roughly the equivalent of what we look at in the book of Revelation as the great tribulation, the day of the Lord. So it's a day when God sends his judgment, a day when there will be no place to hide. And so he moves on from religion to the, to the culture. Uh, he takes a visit to, from the temple to the palace. And he shows us the cultured people there in verse 8. He's talking about the kings, the king's sons, those who are wearing strange clothing. They're characterized by worship of idols. And when he says strange clothing there, uh, it meant their clothing indicated their compromise of their hearts. And, and we see this even today, even in our own society, even amongst those who are not believers that uh, have begun to, to devalue themselves uh, that, that, and, and even some even within the church that, that uh, there ought to be some kind of difference between God's people and the lost world in the way we behave and the way we adorn ourselves, the way we dress. Uh, I don't think to, to be saved you have to look odd, that you have to be like a pilgrim in a pilgrim suit or something, to be a Puritan or something like that. Uh, the way they would dress, but uh, we ought to at least be an effort on our parts that, that we look different, that we dress different, that not just that way, but it's giving a, a picture of what's happening on the inside of our hearts, uh, that, that we're not giving a picture of immorality in our hearts. We're giving a picture of morality, that we serve the Lord. 
And so uh, he, he looks at the culture there. And then in verse 10, he moves to the commerce. He takes a tour of the commerce situation there, as you read in verse 10. That's where the merchants uh, sold, the, sold their goods, the fish market, where the fish uh, were sold. And that's where the rich people lived in the city. And he says to them uh, in verse 11, he says, just cry well, uh, weep, uh, because it's coming to you. Uh, you're going to be no more. Uh, the traders are going to be no more. The, those who uh, weigh out the silver, they're going to be no more. He says in verse 12, uh, he's saying here that judgment's going to come. So what would God say if he announced his judgment upon the commercial enterprises of America today? And then you come to verse 12 and he says, I'll search Jerusalem uh, with a lamp or with candles and punish men who are settled on their lees. Uh, another way to say that is on uh, the thickening on their dregs. And we're like, what in the world is, is he talking about here? Well, uh, he says in verse 12, I will search Jerusalem with lamps. I will punish the men who the English Standard Version puts it, I think, the best way to say it those who are complacent some of the other versions uh, don't share it that way so if you have those versions that say settled on their lees or thickening uh, on the dregs what in the world is that settled on the lees or thickening of the dregs is an expression that's taking from winemaking it's the process of making of wine where they had to be sure that they kept it stirred and constantly in movement. If they didn't, it would congeal and lose its potency and its taste. It's kind of like what you see today when you, uh, when you even just take grape juice and you, you've got grape juice and you just let it sit there. What happens? It all settles down in the bottom. And it loses its potency. It loses its flavor as time goes on. And that's what he's talking about. They're settled on their lees. So it's a figure of speech that's, that's referring to complacency, indifference. It's the Old Testament equivalent of what Jesus talked about to the church at Laodicea when he said to them, you're lukewarm. Uh, and so there are a lot of people who know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, but they're lukewarm, they're unconcerned, they're complacent in their Christian experience. And he's saying there's no place for lukewarmness in God's work. There's no place for a cold heart in the, in the heart of God's children. God's people ought to be fired up for Jesus Christ all the time. And so God takes his lamp and, and stands and he's looking for those who are complacent. And when these people get at ease in Zion, what, he, what he's saying they say here is that uh, they, say, well, they say, well, the Lord isn't going to do any good, and he's not going to do any evil. He's just not going to do anything. They get the idea that they can sin, that they can get by with it, and God's not going to do anything about it. They become complacent. But understand, you cannot just write God out of the universe. There is a moral order in this universe, and God is going to do good, and God is going to punish evil, and he's talking here about judgment that's to fall upon God's chosen people. And then finally, he says, the day of the Lord is like a battle. Look at verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man, warriors, cry aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry. There's that scene of a war, of a battle against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements, verse 17. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. So why is he doing all this? Why is he bringing all this judgment? 
judgment because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like, their, like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. You won't be able to buy your way out of it. Uh, on the day of wrath of uh, the wrath of the Lord, in the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end. He will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Now, there are partial things that have happened with this, but that has not happened yet. Uh, where he says that a full and sudden end will make, he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. That's yet to come in the great judgment and the tribulation that's, that's coming. So in verse 14 and 15, he expands on the day of the Lord. And if you count correctly there, I think he uses 11 words to describe the day of the Lord. When you come to the end of that chapter, he's pronounced judgment on God's chosen people. He's saying when judgment comes, there's not going to be any place to hide. And when you read that passage of Scripture, that ought to make you think of Revelation 6. Because right in the midst of the great tribulation, which the Bible says is going to be that day of the Lord of the, on the earth, right in the midst of the great tribulation time, when judgment falls upon this earth, here's what he says that I'll close with in Revelation 6, verse 15 to 17. He says, Then the kings of the earth, and the great ones and the generals, and the rich and the powerful, and everyone slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Verse 16 says they were calling on the mountains and the rocks. Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? The point is this, when God's judgment comes, there is no hiding place. The only hiding place is in the cleft of the rock. Jesus Christ himself. That is the only hiding place that you can go to, trusting in him as your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. What a way to begin here with this tiny little book and yet such a powerful message. Lord, that just as you spoke your truth through Zephaniah to your chosen people, your favored people, the people, Lord, you had set apart for yourselves who rejected you, who turned their backs upon you, who had become complacent in their walk with you, much like many today who have become complacent in their walk with you today. You have told your people judgment will come and there will be no hiding place apart from Jesus. So, Father, I pray that we would make sure that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, sure beyond any shadow of doubt, that we're not just speaking something with our lips, and yet our life is revealing what we're saying is not really true. We may be saying on one hand, Lord, that we love you, but yet our life is not showing that. So bring us all, Lord, to a place of repentance. And may we call out to you, God, for forgiveness. And may we seek the refuge in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. For that day of your judgment will be a great and terrible day. We don't know when that day is going to happen physically upon this earth, but Lord, you do. You know that day when the trumpet's going to sound, and you're going to send your son to call your children home. And so, Lord, if that happens before we die, or if we die and we go before the judgment then, Father, I pray that we will be able to stand before your throne of judgment with a clear conscience knowing we have followed you 
We have been faithful to you. We have done everything we needed to do. So, Father, forgive us for where we have failed you and set us new, anew on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there online, for joining with us on our phone live streaming also. Uh, we look forward to having you back this Sunday morning. We'll be back looking at the life uh, of Jesus. And so just uh, want to encourage you to be back with us as we're uh, going to still be there with him uh, being crucified uh, on the cross. Uh, that's where we're going through this uh, coming Sunday. And then Sunday evening will be our business meeting. Uh, so we won't be broadcasting live uh, this Sunday evening. So just wanted to make you aware of that also. So don't forget some of those upcoming activities. Be sure to look at our Facebook page. Uh, keep up with our worship bulletin there and all those upcoming activities. But you stay safe. Have a blessed week. We'll see you this Sunday, uh, 1030, for our worship service. Thank you.